Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the RDA Central West Business Leaders Breakfast. I'm really glad you're able to join us. This morning, joining me in the hot seat, we have Toby Mendel, the Regional Manager of Bravo Bank Central New South Wales. Toby, welcome to breakfast. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. Now, fantastic you're able to join us this morning, and it's, uh, it's great that we've got such a good following uh, as we continue to progress with the Business Leaders Breakfast. But, Toby, for those that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about your current role with Rabobank, but also your journey to the Central West? Sure. So, um, uh, my current role in Rabobank is uh, the Regional Manager of Central New South Wales. So, um, going back a step, I suppose, Rabobank is an agri-specialist bank, so all of our clients are, are farmers or from the food and agribusiness space. Um, uh, it's, a, um, it's a little bit of a unique business structure in that it's a, a co-op, so it was founded uh, in Europe by a group of farmers when they found out that there was farmers who were struggling to have access to capital. So the, they created a co-op to provide capital to within their own industry. So, um, so it's got a great sort of base from a value perspective. And on the back of that in Australia, all we do is, is bank agriculture. So um, as far as my role uh, sits, it's uh, so based here in Orange locally, uh, looks after central New South Wales, which covers uh, six branches through the state. Um, which is heading from north to south. We've got Tamworth, Dubbo, uh, Orange, Forbes, Goulburn and Sydney. Uh, and in the extremities of those regions then, so Goulburn goes down to uh, the Victorian border in the Bega Valley, uh, Dubbo goes west you know, to Wallet and beyond, um, uh, and Tamworth sort of goes north to Barrow. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a good spread, nice mix of different commodities and, and different sort of geographic spreads, so which you know, helps uh, particularly in yeah, I've so a massive footprint and a big space to cover. Now, I believe you've been in agribusiness lending for about 18 years. Yes. Can you tell our viewers this morning um, what kind of trends or changes have you seen in agribusiness lending over that period? Yeah, sure. It's uh, the, the fundamentals of agribusiness lending are, are largely unchanged, uh, which is interesting. It's um, you know it's all about uh, like all lending, the, the, the sustainable cash flow of the business, so that will drive the. the so um, the fundamentals of the way that we assess those businesses and, and look to provide them with their, their financial requirements are largely unchanged. What has changed is um, uh, the interest rate environment. I think if you asked economists, you know, however long ago, five, ten years ago, that we get to this sort of base level of rates, I don't think anyone really saw that coming. So that creates, um, you know, opportunity and, and challenges, but it largely offset by um, the reason we have low rates is, is you know, there's concerns around the economy. So um, uh, or one of the reasons, for example. So, um, yeah, so that's sort of the main change over the last 18 years, but the way we look at a, a transaction and the way we look to finance our clients is largely unchanged, which is nice. And you're in agribusiness lending, as we said, so you must have a passion for agriculture to be in that field. Where does your passion for agriculture come from? And I guess, two-pronged question, what excites you about the future of agriculture in the Central West? Um, yeah, it's a good question, Sam. My passion for ag, I, was, I grew up in a small place down in Crookville, so mum and dad are still down there. Um, uh, and just, you know, in, in school holidays, I had to just working in the local properties and, and uh, seeing the, the work ethic and, uh, I suppose, the core values of the agricultural industry and the people that work within it uh, drove that passion. Um, and then on the back of that, I suppose, the opportunities that I foresaw within that industry which also remains today. And funnily enough, whilst it's a two-pronged question, the answer is exactly the same. I think um, what excites me about agriculture today is also um, uh, the people within it and the opportunities that ag presents. Um, and it's becoming more widely known and understood that those opportunities are far and wide, not only locally here in the Central West, but nationally. 
fashion. Um, and it's getting a lot more investment on the back of that. So we've seen a lot of um, incubators, uh, investment startup that are really ag focused, so looking at commercialising ag tech. Yep. Um, so I think there's... Uh, I know there's real culture about developing in the Central West right here. Absolutely. It, it's, it's amazing, you know, we've got the gate, we've got a lot of um, Innovate Orange, which is a group that we're involved with here, yep. developing that kind of, that new, that new ideas, that innovation, especially in that ag space. Absolutely, so Spark Labs uh, have a relationship with the Diego here with the BPI and they um, do fantastic job around identifying not only local but national and, and global opportunities and um, and as I there's a number of institutions looking to do that, which I think just shows the fundamentals of the space are quite strong and, and everyone's excited and, and interested to invest and, and see that to continue to develop and grow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think ag and related industries is the fourth biggest uh, sector of the Central West economy. Yeah. So it's been a key pillar for a long time and I think it'll continue to be a key pillar going forward. As a trend for farming, I think we've seen over the last you know few decades that continued need to expand to increase scale. Do you think that will continue, or do you think in our region, especially the Central West, there might be that evolution of more niche agribusiness value adding opportunities? Yeah, um, I think again, another beauty of the ag industry is there's space for both. So the trend um, is absolutely been for, in recent times, consolidation and growth and increase for economies of scale, because um, gross margins have been relatively stable, so you know, more scale, um, higher dollar returns at least. Uh, but in saying that, there's always a space for a niche business um, with the right level of investment and, and understanding and opportunity. If you look locally, there, there's plenty of businesses that have gone down that value-add chain. Um, you know, if you look at uh, MSM Milling or, or Pioneer Brewing or any cellar door and winery that you know are fantastic around here, um, and even on a more production base, there's you know Western farmers who are actually turning into chaff to sell in produce stores. So. I, I think there's a space for both. It really just depends on where, again, where your passion lies and making sure you've got a sound business plan and, and good advice around you to, to um, be successful in either of those arms. Nice little segue. Good, good opportunity <laughs> for a cross promo because next Friday, Toby's actually going to be one of the keynote speakers at the uh, Back in Business Forum right here in Orange. Got a few tickets left, so make sure you, you, you jump on the website or Facebook to uh, grab a ticket if you're interested. And also Pete, um, Pete from Pioneer Brewing, Pete Gerber, he's going to also be one of the case studies on the day. So fantastic opportunity to hear firsthand from a fantastic local business that's um, doing great things. So there you go. Yeah. Make sure you're there next Friday, all the information on the website. Now, I'm going to just change tack and pace a little bit. I'm going to yep. do the fast five, it's where we get to know a little bit more about you. <laughs> Best local event or festival in Central West? Uh... There's so many. Um, I suppose if I had to pick one, it would be either uh, Forage is always a good one, or uh, Comedy in the Vines was also one we went to last year, which was a fantastic show, yeah. Okay, well we might chuck the link up to Forage, because it is one of those uh, major events for the region, and those tickets are pretty sought after. They are, absolutely. Three dream dinner guests. Three dream dinner guests. Uh, that's tricky too. I think I'd have to have a chef so I didn't have to cook, so we'd probably <laughs> have, uh, we'd take uh, Miguel, Miguel off uh, the living room, he's got quite a good sense of humour. I think um, I quite like my sport, um, so I'd have uh, lots of options there too. Probably Mick Fang, there's not too many people that punch the shark and uh, I think his background and his story and the way that he drove himself to such success is an interesting and great story. Um, and thirdly, um, I think someone like a Michael Parkinson or a, a Graham Norton, just a chat show host who just has an array of stories and 
but have plenty of uh, anecdotes from some of their guests that would be interesting to listen to. Well, I can say with confidence, nobody's ever referenced the living room on the business of <laughs> so you've got a first there. Uh, hidden gem of the Central West, so this could be a people, a person, a place, or a, or a venue, so when you've got visitors coming uh, coming into Orange, something mm. that they might not normally get to, yep. I recommend you to check it out. Um, that's a good one too. Again, there's, we're, we're spoiled for choice out here, I think, which is a really nice. So we always struggle to give people one or two. I think for us, uh, with young families, we find, uh, and it's not hidden at all, but Happy Station is great for, for young kids, um, where the adults can have a wine and the kids can have a bit of a run around. Um, equally, uh, the Boronal Caves uh, aren't as well known as the Federal Falls Walk or whatever. It's a very gentle walk, but there's something there for the young kids as well. So that's, that's something that we do occasionally. Yeah, no, look, there are a couple that I've referenced on this uh, a few times previously. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Boronel Cave's absolute cracker, and especially when you've got visitors, you go out there and it's much better than you anticipated getting there. Yeah, absolutely. And Petrol Falls, Petrol Falls as well. That's a bit, a bit harder of a walk, but it's yep. a real top shelf one. Now, who would play you in a movie of your life? Oh, I, I spoke to my wife about this last night. <laughs> and uh, there was a few options thrown around, none of them which I think landed all that well. Um, I think in the end I landed on Brian Brown um, okay, yeah. because he just seems like a, a good Aussie uh, bloke and, and also his story, the way his work ethic, you know, he worked really hard to get, he, didn't, he made all his own luck, he's got a really strong sense of family. Yeah. Um, he, he, there was an amazing interview on Conversations with him, he's a very interesting bloke, so he, he made all his own luck and he's, yeah, I think he would be a good actor. No, he's been in some good movies, that's for sure. Now, one thing that businesses have relied on probably more than ever this year has been support and advice. Can you give our viewers this morning and those listeners on the podcast um, some advice that you've received from a previous mentor that stayed with you in your professional journey? Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, there's probably two pieces of advice that I reflect back on fairly regularly. One is, um, which can be tough to do, but embrace change. Uh, a lot of the time change is outside of our control um, and it can uh, have a, a material impact on uh, you know what your initial plan was or, or, or where you think you were heading. Um, but it also provides opportunity. So whilst it might make you nervous, that those nerves can be a good sign that you know you, you're stepping outside your comfort zone and it builds from that. The second piece of advice I think that I, I rely on a lot is um, uh, it's all about decision making. It's uh, you know I think we might personally can get caught up on, on making a decision, and the advice was um, just make it. You know there's no right or wrong decisions. You, you make a decision based on the information you've got to hand. If you don't like the outcome of that, then you're at another fork in the road, you make another decision. So uh, they're probably the two pieces of advice that I, um, I reflect back on fairly regularly. Yeah, that's a good one. It's kind of like he who hesitates is lost. So just yeah. pull the trigger, make the decision. Yeah. That's a good one. But also the, the ad adaption, you know, needing to adapt for change. I think yep. businesses, especially in our region over the last 12 months, have been forced to. Absolutely. And I think some of the legacies of COVID will be real positive changes for a lot of businesses that will hopefully hold them in good stead going forward. Now, previously to working for Rabobank, a lot of the viewers might not know, and it was an interesting thing I learned doing my research, is that you spent three years working in uh, London in the banking game over there. Must have been vastly different, yep. but what were some of the learnings in during that period of your career that have held you in good stead in mm. current role? That's a good question too, Sam. That's right. Uh, well, I like my time in London. There, there were some learnings. It was, it was um, the first learning was uh, a perspective position and, and just to enjoy life. Um, you know, we arrived only a month or two after the the, um, the tube bombings, so it was a bit of a tense environment. Um, 
Uh, and um, so, and, and I didn't get the first sort of couple of jobs I, I wanted to get. So it was sort of, well, we're over here, let's still, you know, do what we need to do and, and have a good time, which we did. Um, more directly on the work front, uh, what I learned, I, I, I shifted into more of a, a back office uh, reporting type role over there, which, which gave me a lot of skills. But what it did really shine out was my passion to get back into the front office and, and dealing with people and building those relationships and, and being involved in the business development type of, of any business. So, um, but it was, a, it was a great opportunity and, and I really uh, had a good time there. It was excellent. Yeah, look, and I guess um, one of the other things that I just wanted to touch on this morning was um, we've talked a bit about COVID and we've talked how it's changed business practices. Has it changed how Rabobank has operated during that period, but it's also changed the type of advice businesses are seeking from you mm. uh, during that period. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, um, if I address the the way that we operate first, it absolutely did. So, like like all businesses, you know, the health and safety of our staff and our clients was sort of put at the forefront of, of our operations. So, uh, on the back of that, we basically picked up all our staff. So, there's 50 staff within my region, and, and effectively within a week, we picked them all up and everyone worked work from home. Um, and interestingly, productivity uh, improved initially, you know, so we, we thought there was going to be a bit of a hit in the way that, you know, just the ways of working, but it just didn't play out like that. So, um, uh, so that was a change. We had to change in the way that we delivered our information to clients. So, you know, we were always a key part of our business model is being out on farm and sitting around the kitchen table and, and having that sort of in-depth conversation on, on their place, not bringing, not bringing them into the office. So clearly they had to adjust. So. That moved to a more virtual environment, which you know people say the agricultural industry can be slow adapters in that world. But back to our other point around ag tech, and uh, you know our clients really embraced that. So understanding that you know health and safety first, and we didn't want to put them at risk. Um, so that 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 evolved, um, and then the final thing that evolved also is the way that we delivered our. So we we do events and. Um, functions and so obviously all those we can so we, we've done over 20 or 25 virtual events um, and really increased not pretty similar to this form increased the we do at least two podcasts a week to sort of commodity specific so trying to find other distribution channels to still provide the information that our clients are after yeah i think that's going to be one of the legacy items from this period is that people pivoting and offer new offerings like this that you yep. realize can actually give you that access to different pathways that will stay on beyond as we get back to the new normal, as they call it. Yes, absolutely. Um, now, we've had a tough start to the year. We had the, the, the ongoing impacts of the drought, and then we had the bushfires. But in recent months, we've had some good rains. How has that changed the mindset of your clients? And has that changed, again, the type of advice that they've sought? Or has it thrown up some new challenges that we wouldn't have forecast for their operations? Yeah, uh, yeah exponentially, has it changed the mindset? Um, you know, farmers uh, are stoic and, and, and some of the most resilient people you know you could ever hope to work with. Um, which is a fantastic attribute, but we have had two or three years of, of really tough seasons, particularly through you know in the Western Districts. So, um, uh, so it's all it's hard to maintain that level of positivity when when you've had that track record. So the rain, you know, by March this year, plenty of our area have had more rain in the first three months this year than they had in the full twelve. So with that comes sentiment. We, we have a, 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 a confidence survey we, we do once a quarter and, and you can just see on the back of that rain that the confidence really started to skyrocket. Um, 
and as that rain has developed, you know, we're, we're sort of harvesting now, uh, and, and the results are really good. So, um, so it's uh, it's made a massive difference. Rain, it's all about the rain in our, in our business. So, um, so yeah, and as far as challenges, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's positive challenges compared to the alternative, but um, the the main challenge we had really was um, at the moment is around the grazers and, and the restocking opportunities. So. Um, uh, trying to get the balance of uh, how they restock and what time frames, given that their prices are quite high at the moment, because well, all the restockers are, are looking to do it at once. I did. I had a look at the commodity snapshots, and I didn't realise that each of the young cattle indicator for all those tubey units kind of just stayed <laughs> for the is. cattle prices. It was like eight hundred cents or something. Yeah, 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 that's right. You know, two years ago, I think it was like six hundred cents, and they said that was an all-time record, and they couldn't believe it was that high. So yeah, that's right. That's right. So farmers are sort of. Uh, Looking at getting the balance of organic growth or buying store sale or, or looking at whether they lose some of their company, just trying to get, get, get back on track. Um, so, uh, but that is a challenge. Yeah, and just, just as a little side note, we went out and we had a meeting out at Condo a couple of months ago, and uh, the ag station out there said last year they had 146 mil, and at the same time when we were out there in August, I think they had 540 mil for the year. Yeah, so that's right. Speaks, speaks volumes to the change that can happen with a bit of water. Certainly does. Now, how do international influences impact the commodity prices yep. um, that our farmers here will, will garner? And how do domestic factors in Australia, what kind of impact does that have on global prices? Yeah, we, uh, global factors have a massive impact on us. We, we export about 65% of our total ag produce. So um, uh, what is happening globally, and it's different per each commodity, but the global supply and demand factors do have impact on local prices. So, um, uh, so we're always watching that fairly carefully and if you look at specific events over the last sort of 12 or 18 months, um, you know, the, the, well the coronavirus is an obvious one, so food service across the globe, you know, really dipped to, you know, less than 50% of what it had been year on year, which then impacts our premium mm. protein, so lamb and, and beef, um, and, and the demand for that. Um, there was African swine flu in China, um, which, you know, meant that their protein product, their pork production dropped. Australia's total protein production across every protein type is four and a half million tonnes. So that provided an opportunity. So there's a lot of substitutes that were going into China um, from beef and chicken and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. So the global dynamics do play a, a material part in, in what the prices we receive locally. Um, and China's a whole different ballgame with you know, what's going on over there at the moment and a bit of uncertainty around the, the politics side of, of uh, international relations. So it's, uh, it's challenging. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Look, it's been fantastic to learn a lot more about your journey, Toby, this morning and getting some insights into those commodity prices and what makes them kind of formulate. But one of the things that I was interested to find out is you yourself made the, um, the move from banking in Sydney into a regional setting. Mm -hmm. What was one of the catalysts for you to make that decision? And for anyone that might be tuning in who might have friends or family that might be thinking to make the move, because post-COVID, a lot of people are recalibrating their expectations. Absolutely. What advice would you have um, for anyone in that position? Um, yeah, so my wife and I both grew up in, so she grew up in, my wife Victoria grew up in Maureen, I grew up in, in Cookville, as I said earlier, so we always had a bit of a link to the country that we wanted to, we thought once we were having kids we'd, we'd like to, to move back to the bush. We moved when our son was four weeks old. Um, so that was, the, that was the catalyst for us, but we, we had a bit of an understanding of, of regional Australia before that, so it probably wasn't as large a step as it may be for some. 
Um, in saying that, we've had lots of mates um, who, you know, are Metro-born and bred who have made the leap and, and have never looked back. So not just here, but up the North Coast and what have you. Um, so my, my advice be, would, would be just to, to come out and have a look uh, and then uh, take the leap of faith that, that you won't regret it. You know, the opportunities here, particularly in the Central West, across multiple business streams. Uh, before I moved back to agriculture, I was working in a local business bank here and there's plenty of really strong uh, service-based businesses and, and manufacturing-based businesses. There's just lots of opportunity in the Central West, no matter which stream you're in. It's just coming out and having a look and trying to identify where your place might be and, and take the leap, well, you won't regret it. The, the, the lifestyle and, and the balance is, is fantastic. Yeah, well, we almost need to just cut that and use it as a promo video <laughs> for, uh, for the Central West, but completely agree. Now, looking into the crystal ball, what, how do you see the agricultural sector going in the Central West over the next, say, 12 to 18 months? Yeah, look, we're really positive on ag. Um, I think uh, it's all, as I said earlier, it's all season driven. Uh, so there's a little bit of unknown on that, albeit um, the La Nina is, is expected to retain. So we're looking for a wetter, the wetter than average you know, summer, um, which sets us up for a good season next year. But the fundamentals remain strong. As I said earlier, the uh, interest rate environment is low. Uh, the asset value, so we continue to see strong capital appreciation in farmland and, and a lot of demand for that from both at a, a, um, a, a local producer level and investment level. Um, uh, and commodity prices are, are strong and underpinned by uh, the quality of our food and fibre that we produce locally, um, underpinned by our reputation internationally um, and, and just the, the, the quality of our producers. So we, we think... Um, uh, there's plenty of opportunity in agriculture, and we see it remaining strong for, for a long while. As I said, it's all we do, so it's uh, we're, we're heavily invested in it, and we see there's, there's plenty of opportunity in these top eight months. Yeah, look, I see your confidence. I think the future is very bright after a challenging couple of years, but as you said, I think the fundamentals, especially for that sector, are very strong in our region, and I think it'll continue to, to go like that. Absolutely. Now, if uh, viewers are keen to learn more about you, uh, your role at Rabobank and the services that Rabobank provide, what's the easiest way for them to engage with you and your team? Yep, uh, just drop me an email directly, it's probably the easiest, Sam. So that's uh, toby, uh, T-O-B-Y M-N-B-L, at rabobank.com. Easy, we'll put up Toby's details after this morning's chat. We'll also put the website links up for Rabobank and your social media handles for all of those uh, viewers that are keen to learn a little bit more. But Toby, thank you so much for your time this morning. Pleasure. Fantastic to learn a little bit more about you, and, and your role at Rabobank, and also to cover up on such things as uh, the living room. But um, make sure you, as I said, Toby's going to be giving us a little bit more information and, and covering some of these topics next Friday at the Backing Business Forum here in Orange. So make sure you don't miss out on that opportunity. But until next time, have a great day, a fantastic weekend, and thanks for joining us on the Business Leaders Breakfast.